hi welcome back to the lift and glow fitness podcast so we are here for our weekly community check-in we've got loads and loads to go through so i just um, first of all want to say thank you everyone who has done their check-in if you are listening to this on the podcast and you don't even know what's going on right now um the members of the community the online community um let me know how they're doing each week via a check-in form and then we do a group check-in each week to so that everyone can learn from each other and it's basically an amazing way to fast track your progress because you're learning from everybody else's struggles so you're learning from something that you might struggle with in future and you know how to handle it so it's a brilliant way of um learning quicker and getting better results overall so we are gonna get going first of all i feel like i need to mention that the weather today has been so deceiving um it was so sunny and bright this morning and now i am absolutely freezing and i'm like paranoid about being cold because i've been told i need to keep warm and i'm like all wrapped up um so that's the first thing and then the second thing that i wanted to talk about is that last week I was feeling really, really frustrated because I was unable to show up for myself in the way that I really, really wanted to. So the week got off on a... So my kind of... What I'm trying to do at the moment is I'm trying to get to the gym four times and I'm trying to do two runs because I'm currently doing a split body program, which is lower body, upper body, which requires four workouts and two runs. Now that is six bouts of exercise in a week, which for somebody who's busy and has a fairly stressful life, that can feel quite hard. Um, But I wanted to challenge myself and I feel like, you know, if I prioritise the time that I can make it, last week did not go to plan (laughs) and the reason I wanted to share this with you is because my mindset of looking at it I think is really going to help you so the week got off to a slow start Monday was really really chaotic for me um lots of stuff came up lots of things needed to be done in the business you won't have seen it externally but things needed to be actioned and things needed to be done um, then the second thing is one of the coaches in the gym who helps me massively. She she does lots of sessions each week, was off. And so automatically my time in the gym coaching clients increased. So Monday, Tuesday, I didn't do a workout and I should have done lower body Monday and upper body on Tuesday. And because I'm training for a half marathon, I was like, well, I can train on Wednesday, but it has to be the run. So my week got off onto a slow start and then Thursday I was feeling a little bit achy from my run but I dragged myself to lift and glow and then I needed to do a long run on Saturday. So basically I'm going about this a long way but I only managed to get one of my weights workouts in and it wasn't from my program, it was something quick and I basically went to lift and glow and got it in because I was there and so I tagged it along but the priority was me running and my nutrition like my nutrition is non-negotiable I am not letting that go it is very very important that my nutrition stays consistent and so even though when I look back on the week I felt really disappointed that it got off to a slow start I'm actually really really proud of myself because first of all I survived the week and it was hard for me because it was an increase of workload I had lots of uh, stress going on not just with work, but I also had a personal personal stress, just like stuff going on, had a telephone appointment, all all like just just a kind of messy start to the week. And then but I picked it up as soon as I could and I prioritized what was most important, which was the running, because I'm training for a half marathon, and um the my nutrition like it did not slip my nutrition was bang on and when I take myself back to six months ago from now nutrition would not have been consistent um if I'd have been faced with that week I'd have been eating chocolate I'd have been getting takeouts I'd have been like oh this is all too hard and I'd have been feeling really sorry for myself and I was just not letting that happen so even though the week didn't feel like a success I've took lots of wins from it And I wanted to share this with you because moving into this week, what I've said to myself is, if I do my four strength days plus my two runs, that means in two weeks, I've done five strength workouts and four runs. On average, that is fucking amazing. Most people 
will, will not do that in three weeks. And so the average of it, the average of the last two weeks is brilliant. And the average of by the time I get to February is going to be even better. It's going to be brilliant because it's one week that things didn't go fully to plan and things had to take priority. But I focused on the things that were most important. And when I look at it on average over the last two weeks and over the last month, it's actually not that bad going. And I wanted to share this with you because if you feel like you've had a bit of a tough week or if you feel like you've been a little bit shit or things have slipped, I want you to think about what went well. Or like, are you are you just proud of yourself that you survived the week? Did you prioritise your nutrition and you didn't let that slip? Whereas the six months ago, you would have let it slip. Um, did you prioritise those workouts? Whereas the six ago, six months ago, you would have let them go. I'm, I'm saying this because I know a lot of you have been on half term and half term can feel really messy and unorganised. But I'm seeing wins from a lot of you who in the last half term really struggled or in the half term, you know, previously, you might have really struggled and let everything go. So I just, it's just a bit of a mindset shift and a bit of a shift in perspective that when we get to the end of a really frustrating week, it's easy to be pissed off at ourselves. It's easy to be pissed off at life. But instead of being pissed off, we need to think, right, what can I do this week to make that average a little bit better? It's proper helped how I have come into this week. And so I thought it would be helpful to share as well. So Let's get into it. This is now all about you girls, okay? So thank you everyone for checking in. I'm going to fly through a few wins. I'm not going to read out too many. There is just so many to read and I really want to read everyone's out but I just can't spend the whole time <laughs> reading them out. So I'm going to just pick out a few, okay? If I don't read out yours, it's not it's not because you are not amazing. You are fucking amazing um, and I'm proud of you but I'm just going to pick out a few that feel relevant right now. So first one is from Claire. So Claire said half term has been a bit unorganised but she didn't let it ruin anything. Literally what I've just been talking about. Um, she said she stuck to the meals that she'd planned. She didn't get a Mackey's when the kids did for once and she got plenty of walks in. This is big, okay? I know for teachers, managing half-term, managing school holidays, it feels like a free-for-all. If you've got kids yourself, I actually don't think this person's a teacher, but if you've got kids yourself, you will understand that having the kids off and with you all the time, you've got to entertain them, you've got to feed them, you've got to keep them busy, you need to tire them out. And you realise, like, it is a lot more chaotic, a lot more disorganised. Um, and so half-term can go a little bit wrong for both mums who have, you know, different jobs and also for teachers because they're on a free-for-all because they're on holiday. Um, so this is a big win because in the past, clearly, Claire usually gets in wackies with her kids. This time she didn't. Usually um, half-term would ruin everything. This time it didn't. So she's actually made progress. When we look back at the past, Claire, she's actually got a really big win from the last half term. She survived it. She's still focused on her health. She still made good choices for herself. And she didn't get sucked into the temptation of all these convenient foods. And I think that's brilliant. I think it's a really, really good win. She was able to be active. She was able to survive the week. Or in fact, she thrived because she made... Um, good choices in line with their health and well-being. Now, this, um, if just the Mackies thing, like I know if you have kids, kids love a Mackies, but if they're getting a Mackies, you don't always have to get one. That's just a reminder. The other day, me and Fran, I'd been for a run and he'd done like an hour and a half of jujitsu. And even though we'd both eaten after the things, we went to entry retail and we were like shopping and getting bits in. And I'm not messing, I could have punched someone in the face. I was that hungry. Running hunger is like next level hunger. It's indescribable. And when it hits, oh, so, and I was like, you can smell the Mackies, you can see the Mackies, you're at entry retail, the Mackies is there. There's a big queue for the Mackies. And it's like, I was like, oh, that'd be good, that. Oh, that would really satisfy this hunger. But instead, we went into Marks and Spencer's and got a sandwich each. We were both checking the protein on the sandwich. I know, proper mings. But we made really help, like a really good choice for our goals, for, you know, both of our goals is to be as, as healthy as possible and to give our food the best, to give our bodies the best food possible. So, okay, there is a Mackey's there, but there was also a Marksies. So I didn't have to eat shit 
and I managed, I managed something that was high in protein and also literally 400 calories and it filled me. Got a chicken sandwich and he got a chicken salad sandwich. And so there are other options if you are out shopping in town and you're starving. You don't need to go for a Mackey's or a KFC or a pizza or a chippy. You can go and get a sandwich, which is easily tracked from Marks and Spencer's. Like, it's just such an easy choice for you to make. Take the kids to Marks's, then take them to Mackey's. Like, it doesn't need to be that you always eat what they're eating. Um. Okay, so, and when you're hungry, like, that that whole spiel about me and Fran, we were both very, very hungry. Like, we, we were ravenous. And it's hard to make good choices then. But we were reminding ourselves, what's our goal? What was actually make us feel better right now? And we knew that the sandwich would. Okay, moving on. Christine, her biggest win was tracking her calories. She said she had a small procedure, um, which meant she had to fast in the yeah, fast from um Wednesday, so from the evening to the morning, um, so from Wednesday to Thursday, but she didn't let herself eat the world afterwards, she just stuck to her calories, great, you probably could have afforded to eat a bit more calories if you hadn't hit them the day before, so if it was a full 24 hour fast, you could have afforded to eat a little bit more, um, but you know, it's done now, you don't need to have them now, um, she said that tracking in general has really helped her to keep, helped her to get back on the wagon, this is the bit that's important. She doesn't work on Fridays, so normally she sees Thursday night as a Friday night. And when she and then she has a wine and some goodies. And this week, because she was tracking, she knew that she would also be having a meal and wine on Saturday, Saturday, so decided against the wine and goodies and felt much better for it. Now, the reason that I believe that tracking your food really, really works, because calorie tracking is consistently inaccurate okay everything that you scan could be 30% either way like it can be inaccurate that doesn't mean it doesn't work the thing that calorie tracking helps with most is your decision making it makes you think twice before before you have something because you're like oh and you're like it slows you down it makes you think this is why I say don't track after the fact don't track at the end of the day that's never going to fucking work for you love you need to track in advance before you eat something before you drink something you need to see what that's going to cost you calorie wise and so this has worked wonderfully for, for Christine because usually she would have just given in on that Thursday night add some wine add some goodies um, and then again on the Saturday and thought nothing of it but when you're tracking you're like oh actually that's going to take me over by 500 calories and I'm going for tea and having a drink so I'm going to naturally nip that one in the bud I won't have that today it makes you slow down it makes you make better decisions so it's amazing like it's amazing for that um what I want to remind people of as well is Friday Saturday Sunday is what most people see as their weekend I know I do like Friday Saturday Sunday is what most people see as their weekend that is 42% of the week, 42%, nearly half of the week, and now Christine, if you see Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday as your weekend, that's 60, no, 58% of the week, my maths isn't good, you got to bear with me, I'm like number dyslexic or whatever it's called, 58% of the week, 58% of the week, over half of the week, that you are not in work and therefore, you know, treating yourself, that is not going to get you results. We need to be accountable seven days a week and not see it as, yeah, I do this through the week and this at the weekend. It, like, your weekends don't need to be super restricted, but they also, you don't need to eat like a fucking kid in a sweet shop, you know, an unsupervised child in, in a sweet shop. You don't need to eat like a dickhead, like... Don't want to offend people, but a lot of people eat like a dickhead Friday, Saturday, Sunday. You don't need to do that. You can enjoy yourself without having to do that. Um, and it is all about finding that balance. So we can't just say, like, like you know, people with kids and, and teachers at half term, that's that's not just a free-for-all. That's not just when you forget about your, your health. Same at weekends. We can't just forget about it for 42% of, of the uh, week. So something to be mindful of, I'm proud of you, Christine, because tracking has probably nipped that little habit in the bud, at least for now, and if you don't have any plans, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, then have the treat on Thursday, allow yourself to go over Thursday, because you know that, you know, you're in control for the rest of the weekend, 
Josie said she had six out of seven very active days. She is feeling very driven and motivated at the moment, which makes me feel very happy. And um, what we have to remember is these little bouts of high motivation are amazing and like try and try and keep up that momentum going as much as you can. But remember, we can't rely on it. We need to rely on our routine. We need to rely on our habits. And if you do have a dip in motivation, still show up because that's when this drive and motivation is going to come back. The dips in motivation are longer when you just don't show up for yourself. If you show up despite feeling like you don't want to, the motivation will come back, okay? So keep it going. Well done, Josie. And Amanda said she managed well with the half term with the kids around. She did no extra snacking and she didn't finish the kids' leftovers. Again, big, big wins. Something that in the past she did do. She did snack more. Um, maybe the food quality wasn't as good when the kids were on holiday. And maybe she did eat kids' leftovers, whereas now she didn't. And so this is growth. This is brilliant. Um, Hayley said her biggest win is feeling different in her clothes and seeing the progress that she's made. Physical changes. Um, she's formed healthier habits and she's got, had more PBs in her workouts. She said seven weeks now of being consistent with her workouts. Now, getting her workouts in was really, really hard before the last seven weeks. She was really struggling to set boundaries with work. She was struggling to prioritise herself. And now she is right in the swing of things. She's put those boundaries in place and she's showing up for herself. And I bet it feels fucking amazing. Um, obviously, she's feeling the physical differences. Um, she's formed habits. She's she's feeling the strength gains. And that's what it's all about. So, well done, hey. Very proud of you. Chrissy is having a gorgeous time in Barcelona, making memories with her family. She said she's not worried about food or exercise at all. And she realises that she needed this break. 100% holidays are to be enjoyed, okay? Like... We, we all save a lot of money and work like to go on holiday and we work hard in order to be able to go on holiday. We can't be ruining our own, our own holidays with focusing about nutrition and, and workouts. If we have healthy habits, they're going to roll into the holidays anyway. And so, um, yeah, live your life, enjoy. Okay, let's move on to the struggles. I really should have brought a drink. I've got major dry mouth today. Oh gosh, that's cold. Okay, so um, struggles, struggles, struggles. So these are all anonymous. Um, okay, I wasn't as prepared as I'd have liked. The beginning of the week, my diet was good despite being due on my period. That's a bit of a win. Okay, so when you're due on, sometimes cravings are high, energy is low, motivation dips, and you can feel like, oh, what's the fucking point anyway? I'm just going to eat this chocolate instead of this nice nutritious meal. So that's a win that you managed your nutrition. Um, but she said she wasn't really craving everything in sight, but she didn't plan well and unplanned, unplanned things happened, which resulted in me not choosing wisely when it came to having to eat conveniently. Now, I 100% get this. The start, like I am literally, I constantly preach to all of you, do your weekly food chat, make sure your fridge is full before you start the week. And last week, shit hit the fan on Monday and I didn't get a food shopping. Um... Tuesday, still didn't have a food shopping. Wednesday, I think I managed to go to the shop then because I made soup. That could have also been on Thursday. Basically, I get this. I understand. But that doesn't mean that you had to eat unhealthy food. Like I've just said, it doesn't matter where you are. You could stop at a Sainsbury's or a little cafe and get a wrap or a sandwich or the M&S and get a sandwich. Um... If you were struggling, you know, if you if, if it was takeaways that you were leaning towards, did you just automatically go the Indian or the Chinese? What about picking up a Greek takeaway or a Turkish takeaway? That's what we did on Monday, I think it was. Um, what about going to somewhere like, you know, a supermarket and just buying ready meals? Because you knew, like, it's a chaotic week, shit's hit the fan, stuff's all over the place and just needs something to bang in the microwave or bang in the oven. I actually don't think things being busy and unplanned things happening is an excuse because we all deal with these things. That's life. That is literally life. Unplanned things happen most weeks. That is life. So we need to get better at dealing with those situations. 
So looking back, what could you have done differently? Did you just end up at the Chippy? Did you just end up at the Mackey's? Did you just end up at the Indian? Could you have done something different instead of getting a Mackey's? Could you have nipped into Marxies? Could you have even ran to Aldi? Was there really not a gap of time where you could have done a food order on Asda just before bed to get delivered the next day? I actually don't think a busy week or shit hit in the fan is an excuse. And I actually feel that you could, if if unplanned things like meals out came up, you, you could still control that. If you if someone said, oh, we're going here for lunch, okay, you just order what is in line with your goals. It's all about the decisions that we make in the situations. Life doesn't just throw shit at us and we just have to be like, oh, okay then, I succumb to this. It's all about how we deal with it. It's like that quote that I put in the group last week. Um, let me actually find it because it was wonderful. Um, this might be really annoying for people listening. So I said... Well, this is a quote. I didn't say this. But life is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you react to it. This is the perfect example of that. So life is the like the way that what you do in life, your results in work, in relationships, in general life, in health, 10% is what happens to you. Okay. 90% is how you deal with it. So you were dealt with this big, chaotic, busy day. Doesn't mean you needed to eat shit. There would have been... There's always another option. Unless you are stranded in somewhere like Blackpool and the only things are open are chippies. Mind you, that's actually not an excuse because there would still be a supermarket there. So there is literally... Unless you're on a desert island and the only thing there is a burger van. Okay. That's all you can do. But... There's always a reason. There's always something that we can do. There's always a positive choice that we can make. We don't need to succumb to the challenges of life, okay? And I know that can feel hard to hear, and I understand that, and you're not going to want to hear it, but it's the truth. Life is 10% of what happens to us and 90% of how we deal with it, how we react to it, how we handle it. So moving forward, if you are faced with chaotic weeks, unplanned social events, um, you know, anything like that, ask yourself, what can I do right now? Instead of driving to the chippy, I'll drive to the supermarket. If I can't leave the house because I'm bed bound or my kid's sick and I can't leave them, I'll just order an Asda or a Sainsbury's or a Tesco and it'll be here tomorrow. You can even get same day delivery. Like me and Fran have um, done it before where we didn't want to go anywhere and we just ordered a co-op. They delivered fruit to us, food, there's always another option. So just remember that for next time. Next is nutrition has slipped a little bit this week, but I'm hitting the reset to fix it. Okay, so what I want you to think about is what went wrong, what actually happened, what excuse are you using for your nutrition, for your nutrition to go wrong? So was it a busy week? What can we do about that moving forward? Was it that it was a chaotic week and unplanned stuff came up? Okay, well, I just spoke about that. So that doesn't need to be, we don't need to succumb to that chaos. We can still make good choices within it. So what actually went wrong? And then how will you fix it moving forward? Maybe you need to get your food shopping. Maybe you need to set boundaries with work. Maybe when you're out and about, you need to order different things from the menus. Rather than always going for, mm, what do I fancy? Think, how, what does my body need right now? That is honestly one of the best things that I've been asking myself lately. What does my body need right now? I do not make good decisions. I'm somebody who is very busy. I have a brain that is all over the place. Um, also stressed because of work, but also trying to conceive and all of that. And so I don't make the best decisions because my brain is constantly compromised by all of the other shit that's going on. So I don't ask myself oh what do I feel like because what I feel like is a chicken fried rice and curry sauce every night what I feel like is a whole nut share bar what I feel like is a mini egg share bar that's not what my body needs so I don't ask myself mm, what do I fancy mm, what do I feel like I ask myself what does my body need right now my body needs movement go the fuck out and get movement in Okay, so if I'm feeling stressed, overwhelmed, 
What does my body need right now? Hayley, go for a walk. Or Hayley, go and have a bath. Or Hayley, go to bed. Or Hayley, put your phone upstairs. Or Hayley, make the tea that's in the fridge and don't go the chippy. So don't ask yourself, what do I fancy? What do I feel like? Ask yourself, what does my body need right now? Because none of us feel like going to the gym all the time or feel like going for a walk when it's freezing cold outside or feel like going to bed when we're in the midst of a skull hole. But that's what we need. So we're not good at making decisions. We're not good at pinpointing what we should do. We're actually better at choosing the worst option. We need to make sure that we ask, what does my body need right now? What do I need to do for my goals? Now, mine is to be the healthiest possible person that I can be for trying to conceive and so when I don't feel like doing something it's not a reason not to do it because it's not in line with my goal so try that moving forward if your nutrition slipped why and what are you going to do moving forward maybe you need to be saying what do I what does my body need right now if you sat at a restaurant and it's your third meal out of the week instead of just being like oh I fancy the mac and cheese and the cheesy deep fried balls or whatever it is the uh, arancini ask yourself what does my body need right now what fuel does my body need okay um this is another one food was awful didn't focus on meals and so snacked and lived off toast cereal and crap lots of crap this person is a teacher this is so common for teachers this is so common for teachers. And what I want to remind people of is that if you're a teacher or if you have a child who's off, who goes to school, they have 13 weeks a year off. 13 weeks. That is 25% of the year. So if you see half term, summer holidays, Easter holidays, Christmas holidays, if you see every single day off that your kids are off from school or that you're off from work as a holiday and as a treat myself, then you will not get anywhere. Sorry, but you won't because that's a quarter of the year. It's 25% of the year. Now, I think teachers do deserve that time off. I know a lot of people think that, oh, it's part-time. I actually do. I do think they deserve that time off because you go and spend your time with loads of screaming kids every day. It is one of the most stressful jobs ever. And they have long days and they just deal with so much shit. And like we deal with adult shit, but they deal with kids shit, which is just even more annoying. And I know people who are teachers love the job, all of that. And I do think you deserve those breaks. Um, however, your health doesn't want you to have a break from it for 25% of the year. If you've got a goal, you can't just put 25, you can't just have 25% of the time off every year. You need to make sure that you are consistent. Just because you're off work doesn't mean you need you need to eat like a like a child or like a what did I say before unsupervised kid in a sweet shop. It's like when we get to weekends, it's the same mentality. Oh, I'm not in work, so I'm just going to have so a big sugary cereal for lunch and then a Mackey's a big big sugary cereal for breakfast and then a Mackey's for lunch and then a chippy for dinner. Work shouldn't impact what you fuel your body. So whether you were in work or not, that should make no difference as to whether you are thinking about your health or not. And this is like where so many people go wrong. So many people go wrong. It's not treat yourself whenever you're not in work and be a nun every time you are in work. That's not how it's meant to be. We should be treating ourselves in little ways daily so that we don't need those big indulgent things. So if you go AWOL every time your kids are off, you're AWOL for 25% of the year. So no fucking wonder you can't get in anywhere. If you go AWOL because you're a teacher, so every time you have a half term or holiday off, um, then that's 25% of the year. So no wonder you keep yo-yoing or keep going back or can't actually build a proper routine. Even if you are if you are in work or not in work, we should be eating three high-protein meals a day, which have... And we should be eating five fruit and veg a day. That shouldn't matter. It shouldn't matter where we are, what we're doing. That should be the norm. I don't know why it's not. If we want to live healthy lives, we need to fuel ourselves with healthy foods. I do get it that we should be treating ourselves every now and again. But we can't just go mad for 25% of the year. It's just unrealistic. You can, but you won't get where you want to get to. 
realistically, it's not going to make you feel good. So I would try and build a routine of eating that you enjoy all of the time and that isn't so hard to stick to when you are off work. Um, okay, so next I had a little drink at the weekend for my sister's birthday celebrations which made my workout on Sunday harder. I stuck to only having a couple of drinks as I didn't want to be hungover and I felt fine the next day. I went for a big walk and then did workout three after and I just feel felt so tired. Um, I still did it, but I cut it a bit short. Not going to do that again. Okay, so alcohol makes everything harder. Even if you don't have a hangover, your sleep quality will be affected. So when we have alcohol in our system, um, we basically have poor sleep quality because the body is trying to like get rid of that alcohol. And this is why... Um, this is this is something that I always say to people who have a drink to get themselves to sleep. It is the stupidest way to wind down for a good sleep because your sleep quality is horrific when you have just a small amount of alcohol in your system, okay? So it does make everything harder and it's even if you're not hungover, you will be fatigued the following day because your sleep quality was poor so these people who have a glass of wine before bed every night you are literally making yourself tireder you're not you're that wine is not it might help you drift off to sleep because it's relaxing but your sleep quality is terrible which means you'll wake up feeling groggy you'll be tired you'll probably have a stressful day you probably won't feel like eating healthy foods and you'll have another glass of wine to help you get to sleep because you're all stressed because lack of sleep causes stress so it's a vicious cycle and if you are someone who drinks every day you need to nip it in the bud now it is not healthy it's literally poison and if our sleep is affected for the long term like over and over and over again for the long term it's going to have a massive impact on your health so um so alcohol is going to affect sleep quality and it will make everything harder but well done for getting it done Maybe if I was you, I would have done the walk after the workout. I'd have probably done the workout first. Um, so I would have had something to eat, done a little workout, and then gone for a walk afterwards because the walk could have exhausted you too. It might have all just been a little bit too much for your body. But well done for getting it in. Um, it's better than not doing it at all. It wasn't a waste. I think somewhere, someone said at some point that it was pointless exercising after after alcohol. I actually don't agree with that. I think if you can get a workout in, get a workout in, it'll probably help you feel better. Um, but it's obviously not ideal to save your workouts for a day after drinking. They will be harder. You won't get as much from them. Um, okay, so this is someone who needs to have firmer boundaries with work by the sounds of it. Too many hours working and not doing what I said I, I would do, put me first. So basically she keeps saying she's going to put herself first, but she keeps getting swept up in the chaos of work. Um, so I want to ask you now, seriously, because this does keep happening, what are you going to do about it? How can you put boundaries in place? What are you actually going to do? Not next week, not the week after. This week, what are you going to do? Are you going to have a conversation with your manager? Are you going to reach out for support from someone? Are you, like, if you own your own business, maybe you need to reach out for support. You know, like, I've got people who help me with my business. Maybe that's something you need to do. If you work for someone, you need to communicate. Um, maybe we need to um, realise that things aren't life and death. So unless you are a surgeon or, you know, a police person or whatever, then your job's not life, life and death. And I know it can feel like it is, but it's not. And we can get pressure put on us from, from all other places, but it's not worth sacrificing your health for. We need to put boundaries in place. We cannot do well at our job if we are burnt out. People who work until 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock at night from 9 o'clock in the morning, you're not doing good work late at night. You're not. The work that you're doing will take you twice as long and it won't be the best quality. You're better off going to bed, waking up the following day and, try, and, and getting a more productive day in. If you're constantly tired from working longer hours, you're not going to be productive in the time that you're supposed to be working. I know that this is really hard to grasp, but it's important because... 
it's not helpful to do to, to not have boundaries. You need boundaries because if you take care of your body, if you take care of your mind, you will be the best version of yourself in work. You will be more productive. You will be more creative. You will get more shit done. You will be able to handle stress, stressful situations so much better than if you just don't have any boundaries and just stay late and do this and do this and do this and all this stuff could have waited anyway until tomorrow. You know, is it really that important? Seriously, is it? To the point where you're sacrificing your well-being, is it? I don't think any job is worth that. So what are you actually going to do about it? You need to have a discussion with someone. You need to reach out for support or you just need to start blocking time out in your diary. If people are booking meetings in at six o'clock at night, the answer's no. You've got somewhere to be. Um, I've got a client whose boss keeps putting meetings in at seven in the morning. You're not available at seven in the morning. Your job starts at nine. It doesn't matter if they're up and they're working. Your job starts at nine. So you have to set boundaries. And I know that this is hard. Um... But people respect you respect you for it. If you have no boundaries, people will always ask more of you. And that will only be at the detriment of one person, you. They're always going to get what they want. They want. Um, if you set boundaries, they will still get what they want, but they will get it within your time. And then maybe they'll think, oh, actually, I could do this myself. Or actually, that's okay to wait. When you're given a task or when you're asked to do something, ask the question, how important is this? When do you need this by? When is the last date you need this by? Not, I would like it by this afternoon. Okay, when is the very last opportunity you could get this by? Because I'm very busy. Start being firmer. Set boundaries. Block time out in your calendar for your self-care. No employer. I'm saying this from someone who has a team of people working for me. No employer, unless they're a knob, which there is out there, wants you to sacrifice your well-being. They want you to be the best possible that you can be at your job. Because if you're shit at your job, you're just a frustration to them. If they're always chasing you for stuff, that's frustrating. So you need to set boundaries so that you can be more productive and so that you can be better at your job for your clients, for your customers, for your team. So this is important. So what are you actually going to do about it now? Because it's gone on for a few weeks and you keep saying you're going to put you first, but you're not. So what are you going to do about it? Tell me, message me. Okay, some questions. I have a baby shower on Sunday, so will help. So it would help knowing what I should do food and drink wise so I have a plan and don't go wild. Okay, so the first thing that you could do is think about where the baby shower is. What are you going to be eating? If you know, then great. If you don't know, then we need to do some, like, you know, we need to kind of account for that it might be a lot. Um, So we need to kind of have an idea of what's happening so you need to communicate with this this with me basically so send me a message with where you're going what the menu is and we'll work through it together but some strategies that you could possibly be using this week and we'll talk about this is calorie borrowing so that's if you know you're going to have a high calorie day on sunday you might want to have an extra thousand calories to play with and that means saving 200 calories from the five days leading up to it okay um so you might not need a thousand, you might only need 500. So we just borrow like 100, 150 calories each day. So calorie borrowing is something that we probably need to do. And then also managing the day itself. So just because you're at a baby shower in the afternoon doesn't mean that your breakfast needs to go to shit. How can we get as much protein as possible in your day before you actually leave the house? So that would be a really high protein breakfast, um, a really high protein lunch, and minimal carbs because you're probably going to carb up at the baby shower, especially if you're drinking alcohol. Um, so try so message me, send me the menu, send me where you're going. Um, we will talk about your alcohol choices because if you're gonna be drinking cocktails, the calories are gonna add up quick and obviously it's not helpful. We're gonna to want to stick to slimline um diet mixers with single measures of spirits, so vodka, gin, rum, whatever it is that you like, but a single with a diet mixer. Um, I would I would avoid wine, I would avoid beer, especially if it's gonna be a big drinking day. So they're the things that we'll that we'll be discussing. And then depending on what the actual meal is for the baby shower. So for example, if it's a buffy, you just get one plate and done. And when you go up, you choose something high in protein, something that's carby, and then something that's healthy. Okay. And then that's your one plate done. Because obviously alcohol might be involved as well. 
the calories are going to add up. You don't need to be going back to the buffy two, three times. There's no need. Um, if you're going to eat out, then if I can see the menu, I can help you with what to order. Okay. So we can go through this, but they're the strategies that we will be discussing. Okie dokie. Next one. I'm trying to increase my weights, but I can't manage all three sets with the heavier ones. Do I just switch back to lighter when I can't lift the heavier anymore? Now, what I would say is that this person's training from home and she's just bought heavier weights. So what I would say is if the reps, because they are quite high reps, if the reps say 15 and you're literally struggling, fighting at 10, that's enough. You don't need to pick up the lighter weights and finish the set. What you'll notice is by the end of the four weeks, you might be able to get 12. And then the four weeks after that, you might be able to get 15, okay? So basically just take it to failure. If your weights are so heavy that you can't get the full reps, take it to failure and then just note it on the app and then see your progression over time. This is progressive overload. There's different ways to progressively overload. It's either going heavier in weights, which is what I'll be doing in the gym. It's what I do. Whereas if you're at home and you've got these weights that are really, really hard and you can't do 15, then you're always going to aim for 15. But this week you might get nine. Next week you might get nine. The week after you might get 10 or 11. The week after you might get 12. And then the week after, you know, and you'll get stronger over time. That is progressive overload. Using the same weights for more reps. Um, okay, what weight should I be using straps with? I've moved to using a 35 kg barbell at home and not sure if I should for RDLs be using straps. For a 35 kg, I would say you don't need straps. Um, I'd say no. I only ever put my straps on because I'm lifting. Like my first set at 60k, I don't use them. I try and not use them as much as possible. I won't use them for pull-ups. I won't use them for rows. I try and use them as little as possible because strong grip strength is really important. Um, so I wouldn't bother using them for 35 kg. I think strengthening your grip is more important. So no, I wouldn't bother. If you were to be going the gym and like you can't keep hold of the bar to do RDLs because it's that heavy because that's where I get to at 70k. I can do a couple of reps and then it just starts sliding out my hands like I can't control it. So the wraps help with that because like I really physically cannot hold the bar anymore. Um, but everything else where you can hold it, if it's burny, if it's hurting, doesn't matter. You're actually strengthening all the muscles in your grip, which is really, really important. So I wouldn't say to use wraps at 35 kg. Okay, I love this next question. Honestly, I was like, why is this not being asked before? It might have been asked at some point, but I absolutely love this next question. Um, what are your thoughts on BMI? Mine says I'm obese. I'm a size 10 to 12. The word obese puts me in a foul mood. I hate, hate BMI. You know where my brain went then? Um, is it hook? Where he's like, hate, 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 Peter Pan. Don't know, fucking hell, my brain's just gone weird. Um, but basically, I hate it. I hate BMI, I hate it. I think it's so stupid. I think it's shit, I hate it. Um, because for this reason exactly, you are a size 10 to 12, which is like, you're a healthy weight. Like, But you know, I just, I just, it just doesn't, I just don't understand it. Yeah. Um, well, I do understand it. It's weight. It's it's your your weight to hit to weight to height ratio. Okay. So if you're someone who's quite small, but then like me, like quite muscular, um, you'd be on the the overweight end. So like you you'd be surprised at how many athletes you know, like athletes, crossfitters, uh, sprinters weightlifters, people who are literally the like elite of the world, you would be surprised how many of them are overweight or obese on the, on the BMI. It, I hate it. It's awful. It's terrible. It doesn't tell you anything about what you like about your weight. So it doesn't tell you anything about your health because as we know, um health is not determined by weight. Health is determined by body fat percentage. So 10 years ago, Oh my God, now 12 years ago, when I was 18, I weighed less. No, I weighed about what I weigh now, but I had no muscle mass. 
I was, um, and I had a lot more body fat. I was not defined to look at. I had a bit of a bit of fat on my tummy, um, and I had more body fat. So my BMI back then was the same as what my BMI is now, except for now I've got much more muscle mass, look much less body fat, much healthier life. Back then I drank bottles of wine like they were going out of fashion. I ate chocolate instead of meals. I was in a terrible state. My BMI was the same as it is now. Makes no fucking sense. Sorry, I hate it. It honestly means nothing. And I don't know why they still use it. I don't know why they still use it. Like, for example, they, they still use BMI with um, IVF, for example. So my BMI is on the higher end. So it's not, um, I'm not classed as overweight, but I'm right at the top okay, of a healthy weight, like right at the top, if I gained a bit of weight, I would be into that overweight bracket, and so like, that's not right, because I'm healthy, I'm active, I eat well, and my body fat is not high, our health is determined by our body composition, okay, and our visceral fat, so what I mean by that is, our health is determined by how much body fat we have, not how much we weigh, you could be someone who's obese on the BMI, but you could be super lean to look at. And that's what I mean when I say these athletes all over the world who are obese on the BMI, but are literally 12% body fat. Um, it's a load of nonsense. And I just don't understand why it still gets used. The only people who use it, as far as I'm aware, are like doctors. And it's just so outdated and so shit. I just, it's so frustrating. I would have an argument if someone tried to use, the like if a doctor tried to use my BMI against me, I would literally fight them for it. Um, so forget about it. Don't let it push you off. You're, you're in a really healthy body. It's absolutely fine. You're showing up for yourself in a healthy way. Um, you're improving your health and habits. You treat, you're exercising, you're moving your body, you're eating good foods don't worry about BMI, I don't want anyone to even go and work out the BMI, because it's a pile of shite, don't worry, what we should use though, and something that is very, very helpful, is waist to hip ratio, and basically what this measures is your visceral fat, so your visceral fat is fat that is around your organs, and this is the dangerous type of fat, so you've got two types of fat, subcutaneous fat and visceral fat, subcutaneous fat is the fat that's underneath your skin so if you wobbled your legs or wobbled your arms and you can and there's body fat there that's subcutaneous fat the, the fat that is right underneath your skin okay visceral fat is fat that is in in the like your midriff and it is around your organs so people with a lot of belly fat may well have more visceral fat um, and if you see like, you know, like hot, if your stomach is like bigger, rounder and firm, for example, like beer belly type, type stomach, like firm, not wobbly, that's like an a, a indicator of high visceral fat. So what we want to, what we want to use instead of BMI is waist to hip ratio. So that's when you measure around your hips. Um, and then you measure around your stomach, the it shouldn't be a huge difference. If you've got a large waist to hip ratio, then that's a sat that's not healthy because that's fat around the middle, and so it's a sign of a higher potential sign of higher visceral fat. Okay, that's more important than BMI, so that's a better indicator of health. It's not going to be like you know. Having said that, if you've had a couple of kids and, you know, you hold more belly fat now, I don't want you to panic thinking that you're going to die because you've got more visceral fat. You may well not. It's just one of the indicators. So, and it's normally like firm, you know, firm round stomachs. Um, so, but waist to hip ratio is a better indicator of where we're at health wise. And then finally, body fat percentage. Okay. Now we don't really have access unless we go somewhere really, you know, high spec, you know, get DEXA scans and all of that, those scales that you buy from Amazon Gales, they don't really tell you your body fat percentage, by the way, like, just in case you get excited by that, it's not accurate, um, and because I know a few of you have them, I've got one as well, but I don't pay attention to the body fat, but basically, um, 
if you get your body fat measured, body, body fat percentage measured, that's a better indicator of your health than BMI. So going back to the athlete example, we could have someone who's an absolute athlete um, low, and they look muscular. They weigh, you know, they're, they're, they're weighing heavy on the scales com in comparison to their height and their BMI, to, their BMI is high. We will know that they're not unhealthy because their body fat percentage is low. Body fat percentage is much more accurate and we just need to, that, that's what we will need to be focusing on rather than um, your BMI. So the best way to improve your body fat percentage is to obviously lose fat, but also to build muscle. Because there is there are people out there who are on the, un, like they could be on the lower end of the healthy weight on BMI, but their body fat percentage is, is unhealthy. So they could, like, for example, you might, um, there might be people in your life or people you know of who are really in small bodies but have hardly any muscle mass and a high body fat percentage. So if we go back to me 10 years ago, my body fat percentage was much higher back then. I was less healthy than I am now, even though I'm the same weight. My body fat percentage is lower now and so I'm healthier now. So that's what we want to be focusing on. So basically, fuck BMI off. Just don't worry about it. I hate it. Pisses me off. Um, and it upsets me that people still get frustrated by it. Um, instead, we want to be focusing on waist to hip ratio, if you can be bothered or if you even care. Um, and body fat percentage is important too. And the ways to improve your body fat percentage is to build muscle. Build muscle is on honestly like a, a secret to a healthy life is to build muscle um, and lose body fat. Okay, so final question. This has been a ball, by the way. I don't know why, I just keep spitting. Um, this has been an absolute ball. Final question is, is there a best amount of time to wait between eating and doing a workout? Um, my daughter has started a new dance. Um, anyway, so basically she's asking, instead of having a late tea after her workout, when she gets in, she wants to eat before the workout. So she's just looking for advice. So I actually think it would probably be a good idea to eat beforehand, but maybe not something massive it it all depends okay so it depends on the individual i would say to eat an hour before you work out some people are absolutely fine and i have been as well to eat half an hour before so just need to give it a bit of time half an hour to an hour before just so that when you're in the gym you don't feel sick because you sit because you're doing strength training i actually don't think like it's normally if you eat and then you go and do 100 burpees, that, that's going to come up. You know what I mean? Um, but if you eat and then half an hour later you lift weights, like that's actually going to fuel the workout. You'll probably be feel really strong and you'll feel good in the workout. So I would recommend eating beforehand um, and just giving it half an hour to an hour beforehand. So it might be having something to eat and work before or having something to eat at home before you before you go out. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't wait until that late on. I think you're saying like nine o'clock to eat. I wouldn't do that. I would be eating beforehand because we want to make sure that we're not eating too late at night because your body isn't going to have as good of a restful sleep if you're still digesting all of that food. So get have a meal before the gym and then have a snack when you get in if you do still feel hungry. Girls, what a pleasure. Honestly, I really love doing these. Like, it's the highlight of my week. I love it. So thank you for all of your check-ins. It was amazing to catch up with you. If you've just joined the Ignite program, I wanted to say massive welcome to the community. I hope you enjoyed this first group check-in. Make sure that you reach out if you need help at all. Um, we're excited to have you here and I know it can feel really confusing at first but reach out and I would love to help you. Um, and don't forget to do your check-in at the end of this week. Have a lovely day, girls. I will see you all soon. Bye.